the information you need there. Uh, there are Zoom meetings coming up. Uh, let me see. Hope Church Zoom meetings. Yes, yeah, there we go. Uh, there's also Hope Church prayer. Let's see. I should have read through these better than <laughs> But that happens. You know what I'm saying. Um, you can also catch, you can also find the sermons online if you need to find those. The Tuesday night Bible study is still going, uh, Proclaiming Christ, uh, Tuesdays 7 to 8. That is a, is that a women's Bible study? It's just a women's Bible study, correct? Yeah. No, no, that's the, that's the Zoom Bible study. Sorry, my bad. Uh, that is still going, so you can see Mark, actually, if you <laughs> if you have questions, since he was answering my question for me. Uh, Discover Hope ends today. Uh, if you are interested in finding out more about Hope Church or uh, joining Hope Church, don't worry. We'll have another Discover Hope coming soon. I don't think we've we've nailed down the date on that yet, but we will. Uh, actually, talk to Tom if you are interested in finding out more about that. And this, this uh, let me see. We need funeral greeter help on May 24th at 11 a.m. If you have questions about that, you can also talk to Tom. All of these I'm passing to you. This is kind of <laughs> talk to Tom. Talk to Tom about that. Um, and then last but not least, it seems sort of self-serving to say, but uh, there is a there's a worship service this afternoon at 4 o'clock here at Hope Church, and it's for my installation. I actually have to actually be installed, which just... It, I, it's like I'm an alternator or something. I'm not, you know, it sounds weird, but uh, they have they have to, like, do an official you're, you're now here kind of thing. So um, if you would all love to join us for that, it would be great to have some people out there for that. Um, but if you can't, I totally understand if, you, if, you, if you're not able to be there. And I think that is it. God willing, the creek don't rise. So I'm going to invite Pastor Tom up. And he is going to invite the important people up. Good morning again. Good morning. I'm on here. There we go. Can you hear me now? Excellent. All right. Good to have you with us. I'm Pastor Tom, and as Pastor Darden just said, um, we are glad you're here, and if you are visiting or have any prayer requests, please drop this in the bucket on your way out, and we will follow up accordingly. Um, and yes, today at 4 o'clock, we will have a brief worship service for the purpose of installing Pastor Kaler to the office of assistant pastor here at Hope Church. Um, so if you can make it, that'd be great. If you can't, we totally understand. All right. Why don't we just have all of the important people come up to the front? If you are in fifth grade or younger, we invite both of you <laughs> for our children's chat. No, if you act like you're in fifth grade or younger, you can just stay right there. Yeah. Actually, I know fifth graders that act better than you, so. <laughs> Got it. All right, y'all pick a color. Red, blue, orange, yellow teal, white. I think those are your options. Blue. Blue for you. The teal ones look a little, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, that's, these have been in my car too long. That's what's going on here. How about red? You have orange, you have orange on your shirt. How about orange? Okay. All right. Can y'all blow those up? So while you're blowing those up, 
I have a question which will make answering rather tricky. Are you ready? What happens when our, what? Stop before it blows up. Okay. So what happens, what happens to us when our bodies die? What happens? Our hearts stop beating and our spirits go to heaven and um, where does the spirit come from? So, here's what happens. Do you know, like, when, where does your body come from? Jesus, okay, safe answer, children's chat, that's fair. All right, so you... You have a birthday, right? So that celebrates the day you were born. And where did your body come from when you were born? Came from your mom, right? She gave birth to you. She probably reminds you of that frequently. <laughs> All right. So your body came from your mom. And as God was making your body inside your mom, he also made your soul, your spirit, right? And so at some point in this life, our bodies will quit. We call that death. And our spirits, do they quit? No. no, they don't. So just like that balloon, where did the, what's different between that balloon and this balloon? That one's blown up and this one's empty. So which one would be more fun to play with if it was tied together? The one that's full, right? So it's just like a person, just like our bodies are full of our spirit, and at some point, now let the air out. <laughs> there we go. Could not have gone better. Okay? So, right. But what? where's the air that was inside there? Where did it go? Is it gone? Is it really gone? It's with all the other air. So when, we, when our bodies give out and our spirits leave our bodies, where do our spirits go? Do they, do they disappear forever? No. Where do they go? Back from where they came from, right? The air that was in that balloon went back to, it's not gone. It's still here, right? And same with our bodies and our souls. Our bodies give out and our souls don't. They go to be with God. So, <clears throat> listen to this. This is from 2 Corinthians 5 1. It says, We know that if the tent that is our earthly home, that's our body, the balloon, is destroyed, if it's emptied of air, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So, our souls will live forever. And how do you know? that your spirit, that what was inside you, what filled your balloon, your body, goes to be with God. How do you know that? It's the children's chat answer. Jesus. Jesus died on the cross so that you could be forgiven of all your sins and you could have eternal life with God the Father. And so this is what the Bible says heaven will be like. Are you ready? 
Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain any more, for the former things have passed away. God promises us that in Jesus we go to be with him forever, and there's no more sadness, no more sickness, no more death, no more suffering. We live with God together forever. Does that sound pretty cool? All right. And until then, we got work to do here, right? He wants us to love others take care of his planet. Sound good? All right, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for uh, these children, for the gift that they are to our church and to our lives. We pray your blessing over them and their teachers as they spend more time with you and your word and hope for kids today. Fill them with your Holy Spirit and lead them into a deeper understanding of how much you love them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a blast. You can keep the balloons, no extra charge. Right. Will you join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts for God's word this morning? God, our loving Father, we come before you. As we open your word, we pray that you would open our hearts, that you would reveal to us uh, those aspects of ourselves that are in need of growth and change and renewal, and that we would yield them to you as we engage with your word, that you would be at work by your spirit, molding and shaping our hearts and souls and minds more and more into the image of your son, that there might be as a result of our spending time in your word, more light in this world, more love in this world. And Lord, we lay at the foot of your cross the burdens of our hearts, those things that, that impede our relationship with you. And we give them to you. We lay our sin and our disappointments at, at your feet. And we thank you for the forgiveness, mercy, and grace that are ours in Jesus Christ. We lift up those relationships in our lives that are strained. And we pray for peace and reconciliation where it is needed. We lift to you those whom we know and love who are sick. And we pray your healing mercies over them. I lift to you this morning... Uh, my brother-in-law, Lou, as he battles cancer, I just pray that you would remove that disease from his body, pour out your healing upon him, restore him to full health. And I just pray you would be close to my sister and her family as they walk through this time with him. Keep them close to you and close to one another. And Lord, we lift up this country at every level of government, our leaders, elected and appointed. We pray for wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them. We pray for our men and women in uniform. We pray especially for those who are in harm's way. We ask that you would bring them home safely. We lift up those who've returned home from their service changed as a result of the sacrifices they've made. We pray that you would use us, your people, to pour out your healing upon them, mind, body, and soul. And Lord, we lift up your church here at Hope and around the world. We pray that your light would continue to go forth 
and shine into this dark and hurting world through your people, that your word would go forth and that it would not return to you empty. We lift to you those churches we are connected to through our denomination and through our missions giving. We pray especially for Paul and Elizabeth Branch in Guatemala, for John and Diane Davis in Laredo, Texas, for uh, Pastor Miguel and Tatiana uh, at our sister church in Kamahuani, and we pray for Pastor Patchy and his wife Marilyn Quesada at, uh, at a church in Havana, Cuba, and we pray for uh, Robbie and Joyce Hamd as they continue to serve you in Lebanon, and for Monica and Benjamin Bailey as they serve you in the Middle East, and we just pray your blessing over all those works that we are connected to in those ways. And we pray for um, the church plants that are going on in our presbytery, especially in Texas. We lift up those young churches that are uh, getting started in New Braunfels and Austin and in Dallas, and we pray your blessing over them. Be with us now as we open your word, open our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so... We are in a series of messages of late that is looking, it was looking at uh, seven sort of key themes in the New Testament, the seven main controlling ideas of the New Testament. We looked at, uh, for example, atonement and, and grace and the, the new covenant, the kingdom of God, and um, what did Darden preach on last week? The Holy Spirit that one yes it's kind of a big deal Um, and then today we're going to look at the concept of heaven and all of these all of these new testament concepts have their roots in the old testament Um, however i want to look exclusively this week at new testament passages that reveal more and more of what this idea is of heaven. What does scripture tell us that heaven is? What, what is it? Where is it? You know, how does it work? What happens when we pass away, etc.? And so that's going to be the way we approach uh, today's subject. And just for whatever it's worth, the Old Testament has many, many references to eternity for example the end of the 23rd psalm and i shall dwell in the house of the lord forever right so the the concept of of an eternal uh, existence in the presence of god is not new to the new testament it is um, rooted in the old testament but the new testament actually develops this idea robustly and more fully than it is seen in the Old Testament. And so we're going to look at what the New Testament has to say about this subject of heaven today. And what I would like to do is I've collected a few scriptures that all pertain to this subject, and I'm just going to read through all of them. We're just going to read them all in succession, and then we'll stop and ask some questions, and, and we'll use these scriptures, not necessarily in the order in which they're read, but we'll use these scriptures to answer those questions, okay? So, I'm going to begin in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Jesus is teaching his followers how to pray, and he says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then from the 23rd chapter of Luke, verse 43, Jesus is on the cross in the moment of his crucifixion, and he turns to, one of the thieves on one side of him turns to him and mocks him, and the thief on the other side is like, dude, that's not a good idea, because if he's who they say he is, you probably shouldn't make fun of him, right? And Jesus turns to the thief that defended him, that stood up for him, and he says this, and he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Then in Romans chapter 8, and I would encourage you to, if, you're, if you want to know more about this subject and what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 8, I've just got some excerpts here. I would encourage you to read the whole chapter. It's actually very enriching. Um, it's very enlightening. And he goes into a lot more detail, but we're just going to capture a couple of high points here. First verses 1 and 2, and then verses 9 through 11 from Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Then jumping to verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of God, Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Then from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And then from the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, actually. Um, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to, to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. And then Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. And then from Revelation chapter 21, just verses 1 through 4, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. 
And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the building place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. Amen. Yeah. So, heaven. Really popular subject, right? Like, just look at... um, I don't know, something as benign as rock and roll, and it comes up all the time. It's in song lyrics. Um, Everybody loves the idea of heaven, but what is it? What is heaven? What is this that we're talking about, and how does it all work? And so the scriptures that we have collected here all speak to one extent or another to this question of what is heaven. Um, The New Testament has many, many terms for heaven, the kingdom of God, um, the kingdom of Christ, the realm of the spirit. Um, There are more. We'll talk about them in a moment. But this idea that there is this, this something that is called heaven So to begin to answer that question, I think we have to first establish what is earth, (laughs) what is not heaven, because that's where we live in, in the physical realm. We live in this universe that has physical properties. So the earth is the physical realm. When the Bible talks about the word, the term, the earth, It's talking about the entire physical realm. And so, how do we approach this? So, I think the easiest way to talk about this is it's the realm of physics, the physical world. You can study it. You can learn things about it. But it's it's physical. It has mass. It takes up space. It has energy and it exists in time. All of those things are created by God. So the physical existence that we have is E equals MC squared is is the sum of it, that there's, there's mass, energy, space, and time, that all of these things have a beginning, and they all have, consequently, an end. And to that understanding the Bible has several things to to add and that is that uh, the Bible that this earth this physical realm in which we exist that we can see and touch and etc the Bible calls it this present age and it talks about living in the flesh all of these things are, are descriptions of the physical realm in which we live where physics apply. It is also referred to 
as the realm of sin and death. If all of these things have a beginning, including our own lives, our own physical lives, then they will all consequently have an end. This is the truth of the physical realm. It was created, and it will come to an end. And if you, if you have, have ever like, tried to, s- to listen in a physics class, um, I don't recommend it. It's mind-blowing, right? But they will tell you that all of these things, space, matter, time, and energy, have a beginning, and they will consequently have an end. So, as weird as that seems, that is the way the physical realm works. Our bodies are the same way. We, are phys- we have physical bodies. They have a beginning and an end. Heaven, on the other hand, is the spiritual realm. So, the logic of this is actually pretty clear. If, if space, time, matter, and energy all have a beginning point, There must be something, this is the logic portion of it, there must be something that precedes those things, that exists apart from those things. Something that exists that is not contained by space, matter, time, or energy, we call that spirituality or spiritual, the spirit, that which pre-exists the physical universe. That is, that is, we call him God, <laughs> but that is where God lives in the spiritual realm. It is separate from the physical realm, and it is greater than the physical realm. It has no beginning, and it has no end, as mind-blowing as that is to contemplate. So here we are, partially or fully physically in the physical realm, but also inhabited as humans by a spirit that has a connection to that which transcends the physical realm. So heaven, being the spiritual realm, is called in Scripture the age to come and the age of freedom and life. So this is... For those who are in Christ, uh, Romans 8, 1 and 2, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You see the contrast, you see the distinction between the realm of the physical and the realm of the spiritual in Paul's words there. Heaven is this spiritual realm, the age to come, the age of freedom and life. And the Bible is the story of the convergence, the bringing together of the physical realm and the spiritual realm into one place. So the whole idea of the scriptures from beginning to end is that God created this physical realm and he wants to inhabit that physical realm with the objects of his affection So love is what compelled him to create. He fills it. He populates this this physical realm. And he wishes to live with the objects of his affection. So the Garden of Eden, for example. Adam and Eve, God living in harmony, in unity, together, uninterrupted, until 
the serpent and the fruit, you know the story. And at that point, Adam and Eve are forced to leave the garden, which was some mythical union of the physical and the spiritual. It was, it was something other than the physical realm we live in now. It was this other reality, uninterrupted, unimpeded by the, dis- the separation between God and man. And that separation occurred, and the rest of the Bible is about God coming to dwell in amongst his people. You have the tabernacle in the Old Testament with the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant, which was the seat of God on earth. You have the coming of Christ, God, Emmanuel, to become human, to inhabit this space with us, to show us what love is. And so here we have the entirety of Scripture seeking to bring back together the union between the physical and the spiritual, this coming together of these two realms. This is why when we talked about uh, the kingdom uh, in the New Testament a few weeks ago, this was Jesus' favorite subject, the coming of the kingdom of God, that, that he would establish the, the presence of God amongst his people and that would spread around the earth. All right. I, I'm not kidding. Are there any questions thus far? I will do this again in a little while, so if you have a question, please feel free to ask. I know we're Presbyterians. We don't speak in church. I get it. Um, But, uh, okay. So that is what heaven is. Distinct from the physical realm, it is the spiritual realm. It is not controlled by the things that control this realm. All right. So then the question, what happens when we die? What happens when our bodies give out? What happens? What is that? So really, really, really important verse, Luke 23, 43. Jesus is on the cross. He speaks to the thief on one side of him, and he says, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Do you have any idea how many theological problems are solved by that one verse? So is baptism essential for salvation? Do you have to be baptized to be saved? No. Why? Right there. Today, you will be with me in paradise. They didn't take him down, baptize him, and re-crucify him. All right? Um, Where else do we go? Okay. Is there some waiting period between death and heaven? No. How do we know? Today, you will be with me in paradise. Boom closed, over, done, right? So here we have the author of salvation saying to a depraved individual who's being executed for his crimes, truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Do you have to clean up your act before you can be saved? No. How do we know? Today you will be with me in paradise. Okay. What? You can't earn it. Nope. So, boy, I've started an, I've started an avalanche. We had a comment. <laughs> this is insane. What's going on? Okay. 
we go, when we die, our souls, that spiritual part of us that, that makes us really who we are, go immediately into God's presence. That's what happens to a believer upon their death. They go immediately into God's presence. Our spirit leaves our bodies, or our spirits leave our bodies. I didn't do that right. That should be either both plural or both singular. And the verb, anyway, forgive my bad grammar. Um, what? It's good up there? Our spirit leaves our bodies. Our spirits leave, or our spirit leaves our body, singular. I did that wrong. Next slide. Keep going. That's, that's why we want you in the, in the clinical setting. Yeah. Not, we've got a librarian for these other problems. Thank you. A forgiving librarian. I didn't know those existed. That's good to know. Um, okay. At least one. So our spirit leaves our body when we die. This is, this is what happens. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.1, the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed. That's the physical body. But we have a building from God, a house not made with hands. That's a spiritual thing that is eternal in the heavens. These things are distinct from each other. Um, I'll, I'll put it this way. You have two parts of you. According to Scripture, you have two parts of you. You have your physical existence, your physical reality, your body, your mind, etc. And then you have your soul. And somewhere, the interplay between the two creates all kinds of things, like your heart and your mind and all that. Um, but you really have two parts to you, as according to Scripture, your physical and your spiritual. They're brought together in, into yourself because that's the way God works. And the physical represents the spiritual. So you have physical eyes, but you also have spiritual eyes to perceive the truth, to perceive love, to understand what God is saying and doing in the world and in his word. You have physical ears. You also have spiritual ears to hear. You have physical hands and you also have spiritual hands to reach out and show love to people around. And so they're all in concert together. And when we die, our spirit leaves our bodies. And Paul tells us in Philippians 1, our purpose is fulfilled. So <clears throat> this idea that God has a purpose for each one of us, a way in which he wants us to bear fruit in this world, and it might not be much. It might just be a small moment of time that someone is here. Um, it may be a long time. There may be much fruit. There may be just a taste. But yet, God created each human being to populate this earth physically and spiritually. And he gave each one of us a part of his plan, a purpose for being here. And so, Paul is wrestling in this passage in Philippians with whether he should stay on this earth or check out, right? And he, he says it as if he has a choice, which I don't really understand how he says it that way, but that's how he says it. Um, 
I'm hard-pressed between the two. Like, do I stay or do I go? There's a song about that. <laughs> the Kinks or something? Or uh, some punk rock thing. Anyway. Um, so what Paul is saying is that as long as we're here, we have a purpose for being here. As soon as that purpose is fulfilled, we are freed from the limitations of this physical realm. Our souls go to be with God. And he says, that is far better. Amen. Right? So if you are, um, if you're like about 20, the thought of leaving your body is, doesn't sound great. Right? If you're in your 50s, it's starting to sound pretty good. And if you're like up in your 90s, it's about all you can think about, right? It's like, let me get out of here. Um, and yet, if you're still here, you have a purpose. You have fruit to bear. God has you here for a reason. There are things he wants to do in you, and there are things he wants to do through you. And so, here we are. But when we die, we go immediately into God's presence. Our spirits leave our bodies and our purpose is fulfilled. Our souls exist spiritually until a future time. So, <clears throat> how do I say this? You currently exist in two parts, two components, physical and spiritual. When your physical gives out, your spiritual lives on, goes directly into the presence of God. Surely this day you will be with me in paradise. And you stay there with him in harmony, in relationship, aware of, your, of his presence, of his love, of those around you, um, until God comes back to finish what he started. And we'll talk about that more in a moment. But our souls exist spiritually, and we are set free in Christ from this world, from sin, from illness, from grief, from all of these burdens of life on this planet, we are freed upon death. And <clears throat> I, I need to say this, you can't talk about heaven and not talk about hell, right? So this is going to be really brief. We are, we are talking this morning, the subject is heaven, and heaven is where we go if we are in Christ. If Jesus died for the forgiveness of your sins, no matter how bad of a Christian you are, when you die, you go immediately into God's presence. And if you are not in Christ, then you are in a state of separation from God. He doesn't want that for you. He wants you to be connected to him here and forever. Okay? Um, and so that's the idea, that we are in union with God now and forever. The, the opposite of that is what the Bible calls hell. Um, Paul references that in his discussion in Romans chapter 8, um, although not with that term. So th those who are in Christ are set free from the burdens of this world upon death, and we are no longer bound by the physical. We exist purely spiritually after death until, and that's where we'll go next, 
the, the final question is where will we spend eternity once, once, if the physical world had a beginning, it must have an end. When that end comes, where do we go? What happens? So we will, this is all going to come out of this passage from Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And it's important to note that if you, if you read the rest of what's around this chapter in the book of Revelation, that New Jerusalem is built out of you. You are the stones, the jewel stones that that is built out of. The city of God is built out of you, out of souls, out of hearts, out of minds, out of people that he loves. We are the new Jerusalem. And there will be a reestablishment of something like what we have now. It won't be governed by the same rules of this universe, but it will be something that has a physical aspect and a spiritual aspect that are perfectly joined together forever. There will be no decay. There will be no disease, no death, no sadness. We will exist again with bodies of some kind. They won't be the same, thank God, uh, as the ones we have now. Um, but there will be a recreation, a rejoining of the physical and the spiritual or something like the physical that will last forever. This one will have a beginning and no end. So, where will we spend eternity? In a perfect union between the spiritual and the physical, in the new heavens and the new earth that God will recreate when this one has fulfilled its purpose. And we will exist in a perfect union between God and man. You see this whole idea in verse... Um, 3 of Revelation 21. I'll read it again. And I heard a loud voice from the throne. This is the voice of God, by the way. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. This is harmony, again, between God and man. The Garden of Eden is reestablished and we inhabit that. God is present eternally with us in glory. We live forever in a new state of eternal life, love, and joy. No more sickness, no more death, no more sorrow. The opposite of all those things. Health and life and light and joy will define who we are and how we live forever. This is all because of what Christ has done for us. Titus 2, 11 through 14, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, 
waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That desire of God to bring the spiritual and the physical worlds together, it's, it's, it's your calling now. You're not just to wait for that day when you get to heaven. You're supposed to grab a hold of the gospel of Jesus Christ and bring heaven to earth to show people around you what love is, to shine light into darkness, to bring joy into sadness, to be salt and light, to show love. This is our calling. Will you pray with me? God, our loving Father, we need you. We get so focused on this physical existence, on our limitations, our frustrations, our ailments, our pains, and we lose sight of your desire to be here in our midst, to shine your light and show your love. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might be that place on earth where your spiritual presence inhabits the physical realm, that we might grab a hold of that corner of heaven and bring it down to earth because of what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. Fill us, grow us, use us for your glory, according to your will, for the fulfillment of your purpose. And Lord, thank you that you have set before us this promise of eternal joy, that we can have a taste of that now, and that we can even be a part of spreading that joy in this physical realm. And yet, nothing can take us from your hands. Nothing can deny us what you have set before us in Christ. And so, Father, we claim that truth, that love eternal that is ours in Jesus. And we thank you that you are a God who is rich in mercy, abounding in steadfast love, slow to anger, and who has made a way for God to be with man in Jesus Christ. It is in his name we pray. Amen.